Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. I hope nobody's listening. Well, if they are, they'd better not share it. Yeah. Hey, Mike, you were at college, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, I had a great what? time. I did. Yeah, so no, 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 no. I'm not interested, Mike, because the guy we got on tonight has done way more than you or I. His name's Jamil Dowling. Okay, well, let's get him on and hear what life as a student's like. Okay, let's do that. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. So, uh, Jamil, hi. Hello, Jamil. Hi, sorry, yeah, hi. <laughs> uh, is, that, uh, is that the moon behind you? Is that the full moon of Yerevan behind you? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the moon. It's the, all the dogs wow. are inside right now, so I thought it'd probably be better to do it outside than trigger them all. And you definitely wouldn't hear anything. But anyway, this is this is about this is about you, Jamil, and yeah. your journey to various journeys. So <laughs> let's let's start somewhere near the beginning, which is now. Uh, and you're uh, you're a fourth year vet student. Uh, fifth year now, mate. Fifth year, fifth year vet student. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations! <laughs> and you should be studying, young man. You should be studying, not not in Armenia with your back to the full moon. I am studying. I'm studying in the field. That's where you learn everything. I, to be honest, I think I picked up more practical skills. And well, I did my first castration ever on a bear. That was fun. On, on a bear? So, on a brown bear, yeah. Um, but I, I've got, so Dr. Eamon's one of the top vets in the world. And he's kind of like a mentor for me. So he's on the IUCN's advisory board. I think he's on WWF's, some of their deer tagging boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's been teaching me one to one and stuff. He teaches all over the world. You know, we got dark guns here and stuff. It's like, um, yeah, little kid's dream, really. Um, I'm working with wildlife, and now at the zoo, we're working with um, lions, tigers, uh, panthers, doing the disease work as well. How did you get this gig? Uh, just doing what I do, kind of <laughs> coming to these sort of countries and maneuvering, uh, networking. Thinking mm-hmm. on your feet, trusting your instincts. Um, it was tense at the beginning because it wasn't working out. But <laughs> so, do, does this come from wrestling anacondas when you were six? Uh, yeah, that, that's probably part of it. So it, it depends when you think the story started. Because, like for me, it started probably when I was a kid. Right, Mum met my dad in Kashmir when it was um, a war zone. He was part of the militant group who like the freedom fighters that they wanted independence for Kashmir. I think they actually met at the funeral of one of the rebel leaders. Standard, you know, how romance sprouts. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, ended up marrying and staying out there, got pregnant with me. And then obviously I wasn't conscious yet, but from what mum's told me, a grenade was thrown at the house where she was at, bounced off the wall, didn't cause her any harm but she was pregnant with me and then both the dogs were poisoned so she found some things out that some things out that certain people are doing certain things in certain nations obviously no evidence mm. now or there probably is but i shouldn't get into too much details but anyway uh she has been threatened there so came back to england with my dad um and it didn't really work out i guess the cultural differences and stuff so they got divorced, but because of his contacts and stuff, there was a whole custody battle. And we ran away to South America, to Venezuela and Colombia, and to hide. Basically, I grew up in along the Orinoco in the Amazon with um, 
thrives, man. And with uh, loads of different people who taught me how to catch crocs, anacondas. My best friend was a baby capuchin. And so, yeah, I grew up around scientists. So, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the start of it, I guess. Um, you know, Pepe, who was the baby capuchin, his mom was killed by poachers. Then he was my best friend because I guess we were both kids growing up together in, in some way. There was also a parrot there who broke her wing, Lola. Had a very antagonistic love-hate relationship with a monkey where he would chase her down to the end of a palm tree. But then that means she would have to use her beak and then he really regretted it and would have to save him because she would corner him onto the end. And, but yeah, that, that was childhood in, in a nutshell. Um, kind Holy of, crap. Yeah, I guess, that's, yeah, <laughs> I guess that, that's where it started in a way. Um, and then Steve Irwin and stuff like that, they were a huge influence. How long did you spend in, in Venezuela? I think probably a year. So it was between Venezuela and Colombia. The total was about two years. Um, so from the ages of four to six. Um, and then we bounced around quite a bit, but ended up staying in Spain, um, kind of in a natural reserve where mum hand built the house. Like, well, there were ruins left and then she kind of, did a lot of the work herself we were living in a tent for two years um, when i was six uh yeah but it was surrounded by nature again in the middle of nowhere which i love um what what does she, what does your mom do i mean okay she was she was running away from a divorce and things like that happen sometimes and i just describe her as a, a hippie like a traveler like uh, i don't know she loves nature she loves <laughs> other cultures and integrating with them and traveling right. she's always done that um from what she told me when she was maybe 19 or something you know she had this illness that they couldn't diagnose and chronically sick and stuff in the uk and looking back on it now it probably sounded like depression and she said that when she left the uk and went to india and started traveling it just went away naturally which also sounds like depression like once you have new yeah, stimulation yeah. and get out in the world um, so she's always done that. Wow. Um, I have to say, we, 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 do, we do have um, uh, quite a few mental health discussions on, on this programme. And just for our regular listeners, uh, there may be other courses of action you can take than emigrating to, uh, to the jungle and, yeah. and, and, uh, and hunting crocs. But I wouldn't necessarily dismiss it. No, no. So they, they say no. Say mm, maybe. Yeah. Is your yeah, monster yeah, out there? Is it? Uh, mum now is in Spain where she built the house fighting the Spanish government because they've got a grant from the European Union to drill a well in the in a natural park which is completely illegal according to the laws uh, it's like there's certain laws you can't drill it within 50 meters of a natural spring stuff like that we've got endangered species on the land because mum wouldn't allow any hunting she's kept it as an ecosystem but basically they're drilling a well on our land so she's there fighting them so they don't destroy another ecosystem so um, I, I, sorry I, i'm just, i'm blown away by this and i, I have I am, to I'm... interject some, some humor in this is just amazing we need your mum on here as well <laughs> oh, you should do she just took a picture of a snake that i think was identified as a new species in 2016 and it's literally in our back garden in the kind of pond she set up mm. um Again, if they drill that well, they'll suck all the water out of the pond and the things that have been set up there and we'll lose a lot of endangered species on the land in a natural park. So 
Mm. It's a bit of a tough point. They've got a lake and they can easily mm. take the water from that lake. And if the water runs out in that lake, that's probably telling you the water table's getting too low. The next logical step isn't to go upriver and take from the original it, spring. Um, it's not rocket science, is it really? No, I mean, there's think... ecological reports, ecologists in action. Mum's trying to get the word out and help sort it out. But the problem is because they've done it in such a sneaky way, um, they, they said they notified all the landowners. Uh, they notified them in the wrong name. And then when they couldn't get hold of them or whatever, they published it in a really obscure magazine or something. No one reads. And they're like, oh, well, it, it was your job to read it. But there's literally millions of entries a year. Um, so that gives them kind of this lay gente, which is like an urgency law that they need to do it for the people or whatever. And that's the excuse they're hiding behind that it's illegal, but they have mm. the law. So it would be too late to stop them, I guess, in a way. But it's EU funded, which is what blows my mind. Five million euros. And it's like, I wouldn't have thought the EU would want to fund something that goes against, I guess, one of their primary things, climate change or ecological preservation. But anyway, off the veterinary topic onto the well, climate change. We, we, we <laughs> ramble. The, the, the show, yeah. the show yeah. is, as you've probably noticed, you know, it's called Veterinary Ramblings. And uh, you're, yeah. you're studying to be a vet, so that's the vet bit. And uh, we're rambling like a bit like your mum, although not quite as across the world as, as she's done. So, as a kid, ultimately, then most of your childhood, you you grew up in Spain. Uh, yes and no. Uh, so, <laughs> I I had a lot of problems during school time, which hopefully that will help anyone who's struggling at school. In the sense that I just really found it boring and a waste of time, and they were just mm -hmm. making photocopies of people, and I didn't understand. Like I was really interested in biology and stuff and I'd happily go and read books and ask questions. And I was always told that's not in the, you know, in the topics you need to learn. Like, I don't know the answer. And obviously this is the wrong way to go about it. But my response was like, well, if you don't know the answer, why should you be teaching me? Sort of thing, like, you know, 10 year old <laughs> little shit. Um, <laughs> so I, mum took me out of school when I was 10. Uh, and I had my 11th birthday in India in Nepal. Um, off in mm. the mountains, going to the, the places she had gone when she was my age now. So she worked in Chitwan, in Nepal, at Tiger Camp. Um, so I got to meet all her contacts from there. I got to track rhinos. Um, again, learned huge amount of things from different people. Um, Travelled all over. Mm. Got my first massive knife at Kukuri, which is great. Um, uh, yeah. So, okay. that, that, that's so, when I was 10 to 11, and then obviously yeah. getting to the kind of high school phase in Spain really didn't go well for me. I was getting kicked out <laughs> loads of being insubordinate, nothing bad, no drugs, nothing, just simply being a disruptive student or whatever they called it. The problem is I would intentionally fail my exams because mm -hmm. then you could go and retake your exams in September. But the caveat was that attendance didn't count group projects didn't count, nothing counted. So I would go and get 70, 80% in those exams and I'd be laughing, right? I could take the whole year off and just go sit those exams, which took about a month to study for. Um, yeah. It's a no-brainer for me. Maths is the one that eventually caught me out. Um, but then I turned 16, my dad got hold of me through Facebook. Me and mum were arguing, I guess, things like um, like not wanting to do the washing up and shit like that. 
um, <laughs> you know, typical teenager shit. Um, and she was mm. like, well, you know, you're, you're, you're ready. I've taught you how to travel. I've taught you how to survive. Maybe you should go meet your family. So I got emancipated when I was 16 or 17. Went out to meet my family in Kashmir. Mm -hmm. uh, staying in Srinagar. Got to work with leopards and bears up there. Um, I have really to say... I have to say, sorry, some of the photos, I was looking at your website, there, some of the photos are absolutely amazing. That's your time in oh, Bangladesh. And, uh, quite, quite amazing. I mean, let's, let's go back to Spain. So when, when do, okay, well, let's ask, let's ask you the really basic question then, because you're, you're okay. wagging off school, you're taking exams to suit yourself. When did you think you fancied becoming a vet? I mean, since always i knew i wanted to work with animals in the conservation wildlife sort of realm okay if it was as a vet or as a bi biologist i mean i guess it was always as a vet but you know when you're young it's not 100 percent clear yet and especially how the vet is sold in the uk as, as in like what your standard vet does in the uk i guess the path i kind of want to go down isn't your standard one um <laughs> So ended up leaving Spain with no qualifications. Well, I had them, but I didn't get them in paper or whatever. <laughs> so in theory, I was going to an international school in India and getting my GCSE, IGCSEs there and eventually A-levels. But it didn't work out with my dad. He stopped paying the fees. They threatened with handing me over to the police or something. Mum got involved. She had no money embassy repatriated me the british embassy and they said right we can put you on a plane to spain back to your mum or we can put you on a plane to heathrow and see what happens i knew from what the spanish education and i think i was 17 then yeah 17 um and i knew that if i went back to spain that's the end of it like i definitely wouldn't get into vet med um just because of how the education system and stuff works so i was like Ooh. put me send me back to london um, in theory, somebody from the embassy was going to pick me up. No one did. So I arrived at Heathrow, went to the asylum seekers by accident. <laughs> they sent me to Hillenden Borough. I got classified as an asylum seeker with a British passport somehow. Um, <laughs> so I got put in with the asylum seekers from Iran, Syria and stuff, which is incredible. Like, you know, the stories you could hear from them and stuff was really eye-opening at 17. Um, and then basically, since the moment I got back, which was around October, I think 2016, maybe 15, 2016, um, I was like, right, what do I need to do to get into vet school? Fuck, I need to get GCSEs, minimum five. Um, and then on top of that, I also need to get my ASs and A2s, and I need to do some placements. So I was like, well, <laughs> you know, A-levels, GCSEs and ASs, they're only escalations of one of the other, right? <laughs> so I might as well do them all in one year together. Like, it should be feasible, right? If I know a A2s, I should be able to do GCSEs. Um, yeah, I see the logic there. I do see yeah, the logic. So <laughs> yeah, it's, lo it's, it's, like, it's like saying, look, I can, I can make a white bread roll, so I may as well make a croissant, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it doesn't take into account GCSEs dumbed down from A-levels in some bits. So you kind of need to learn the mark scheme to, to that level. But I think it was something like 56 exams in one exam period. So like when exams come up, I had three exams in one day at one point. My cheat 
was that I took Spanish A level. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even open a book. I just went into the exam and I got an A. Um, <laughs> which, you know, thank God for that. So I had to do like I, I was already pushing it, but I just I, I ended up getting enough to get onto the Gateway program for Bristol. Mm -hmm. um, but during the time waiting to hear back from that, I couldn't really take the stress of just sitting around and waiting. Um, because I was adamant that I was going to retake if they'd went bad and then get in the next year and keep applying until they were sick of rejecting me and then they'd have to say yes, just not do the paperwork. Uh, so I buggered off to South Korea for a month or two um, and went around backpacking there, spearfishing for my food and kind of just sleeping on the street and stuff. Got detained by the police four times there, trespassed onto a military beach by accident. Do you, do you ever hope for an all-paid, inclusive holiday on the Isle of Wight? Just, you know, something really stress-free and, you know, you get ice cream whatever. No spear oh. fishing. <laughs> um, I, I think this guy really, uh, he died recently. Fred Becky, I think his name was. He was a climber and he said, like, um, something along the lines of, like, I don't like, I don't understand people who like a cruise. It's not an adventure and not unless someone bombs the ship. Um which you know it, I, I don't get the whole five-star resorts like you go to a foreign country and then you're just sitting there and you're eating the same food you'd eat at home going into a swimming pool that's got so much chlorine Absolutely. in it it's probably eating away your skin and you don't actually get to know the locals right like you go no. out with a tour guide no. and it's all pre-packaged like that that's why I like mm. going for longer periods of time because you end up integrating and actually learning about a different culture yeah. um and I, I think these like quick little breaks that people take like obviously if that's all you can do or that's your life's got to the point where that's all you can do then that's what it is but i think if you have a choice you should go at least a couple of months <laughs> I, think, I can't understand people who go somewhere uh and we, we go to greece uh, you know quite a lot with, with the family uh but we don't we don't sit on a beach all day reading a book or sit by the pool and you hear some people do that don't you? they just go somewhere and they do nothing they may as well just it Benidorm. Benidorm. <laughs> Benidorm. Benidorm. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, gentlemen. And, and your mom, Charlotte. So she's, she's yeah. been on most of these uh, journeys with you. And, and up she's. Until, up until South Korea. Um, mm -hmm. and, then, and then we might have met up here and there, like uh, through vet, once I got into vet school. Well, the gateway year again, I did. I feel like I. And the only reason I took it is because it got my foot in the door. It was, again, waste of time. I didn't mm. need to learn this shit. Like, it was fairly... It wasn't extremely hard. <laughs> um, so I buggered off to Morocco um, and went climbing in the <laughs> mountains there. I think I was off in Croatia as well. I, I get all the countries mixed up because I was traveling mm. the whole way through vet school. Um, but yeah, I just basically went traveling. I think it might have been India in the corner. I might have met mum up out there. Past the gateway year, got into first year of vet school, um, and then yeah. did the same sort of thing for vet school. Got into a lot of trouble for attendance, um, but I mean, there's, there's ways around it in the sense that, like, you just need to find, like, schedule it in so you don't miss too many compulsory practicals. Or yeah. Whatever. Um, but I, I mean, I understand they've got boxes to tick, but I hate that mentality, and I was like, well. I can go to these countries and teach myself better than what you're providing me here. Like, 
I mean, I don't want to go down that rank because you know, defamation and stuff. But you, you, anyway. you, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't done your finals yet, have you? <laughs> I'm sure I'll be fine. If I can castrate a bear, I'll pass my finals. I'm, I'm sure you'll be more than fine. I mean, God, Jamil, this is just absolutely I mean, amazing. For my, like, like, for my intercalation, like, luckily enough, hmm. I've met some really good mentors at Bristol. Like, I'll give them that. They've got some outstanding staff um, who are really passionate. And I guess all the fighting is your way, is, is how you filter down who's really there to support you. Um, for my intercalation, we went out to Kenya to set to well deploy these new PCRs that are the most accurate ones available as far as I know, design primers for the lamp test. And I, I mean, informally, we suspect we've identified a new public health threat there. Um, we just need to um, do the sequencing for the samples just to be 100% sure. Although you we heard are this first on Veterinary Ramblings. What public yeah. health threat is this, Jamil? Well, no, related to tuberculosis, right? They've always been a top 10 and stuff. But yeah. um, if our PCRs are right, and I'm, I need to work this very carefully, if our PCRs are correct and the sequencing validates them, which I'm sure it will, we identified a considerable amount of them to, well, mycobacterium tuberculosis complex in the camel population. Now, Kenya is transitioning from livestock like cattle which are grazers to animals like camels which are browsers because the grass has run out and they're a bit mm -hmm. more they can endure the weather more right but if you're transitioning to that species and that species has got a higher level or it has a higher capacity this is where we need to look into it properly and stuff and we're still running a project there um on the basis of the preliminary data we found i ended up getting research associate at the primate uh institute for primate research in kenya which is like the government institute which is a undergraduate it's incredible um, yeah so we're, yeah. St we're still running that there now um so yeah that 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 that's one of the things you can say that bristol helped support you do and stuff and the langford trust and all the different donors mm. that pitched in for it um yeah, sorry, I can't remember where the question started. I'm a bit off track. Um, I, I think I think you honest, I was I was torn away by the by the PCR chat because um, uh, before I became a vet, I was a molecular virologist, and um, it was at the time that Psycho and his team had just invented PCR, and, and so wow. I, was, I was doing uh, the the initial PCR tests or, uh, or PCR. Um, experiments were done with uh, with three water baths uh the denaturation the anneal and the polymerization oh, one and you cycled and you it manually absolutely 35 cycles um wow lifting the tubes out of each water bath after so many minutes it was a whole day thing doing this and you didn't no, I get thought the, it was yeah. horrible just staring at the screen for an hour and oh your whole yeah no, no. This would, on it. it would take the whole day but then you'd have to get the um uh the the, the dna sample right, or RNA sample would have you done uh and and yeah absolutely whack it out into a gel and do a do a, a southern blot of it so um yeah uh, or, or isolate oh. it and sequence it so wow so you it's, can sequence it's, then oh yeah 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 we, we did the sanger dideoxy uh, okay, sequencing yeah. mm. um it, it would oh. take three days to uh to sequence um 
gosh, what, five or 600 bases. Uh, hang on a minute, Jamil, this is the 80s, not the, not the 50s. All right. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, you know, yeah, time well, flies. Yeah, Science was, flies. Was I mean, I but, can't believe some of the technologies out there now. The fact that you can sequence on a min-iron, like, USB plug in the field. Absolutely incredible, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, but but you, there, there are you at the forefront of this. And whereas some people are hesitant, but they push themselves and force themselves to do perhaps one uh, thing outside of their comfort zone, you've kind of done everything. And I, I wonder, well, <laughs> you, your mum your is clearly a, a, quite an amazing person. I think she's, made, uh, yeah. she's made you an amazing person. But when you were growing up, did this seem amazing to you? Or was it just, yeah, I'm a kid, this is what happens. We, we go out well, and... It's funny you I think a couple of days ago I had this, this I was actually vegetarian until I went to Spain and then they started sneaking meat into my soup and stuff. Uh, but anyway, that's a different story. They, they do it. Is uh, that happening? No, no, no. No, no, no. 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 Yes, it's it's yes, just yes, the bone. Yes. That's not meat. It's just for the start. Um, it's taste. It's taste. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was discussing this with mum a couple of days ago and it, it might be one of the reasons maybe in some ways I feel like I struggle to fit in in the UK with my peers sometimes and stuff mm. because to me all of this is normal it's what you do if you dream of something you chase that dream like you find a way um, mm. so I get very frustrated when people just talk which I have to learn like you know so yeah for me growing up it was kind of normal and it still feels normal now I feel more at home out here doing this than in Bristol Bristol is like the holiday it's like Mm. going back to bristol's paying your dues right like you have to go do this so you can do this but yeah yeah i'm sure uh, correct me here if i'm wrong jamal i mean bristol feels like a holiday not because it's really really easy and boring but because it's different to what is your normal i presume yes yes and no. um but <laughs> i mean the exams themselves aren't I mean, like fourth year was pretty tough. I'll, I'll give you that. But previous mm -hmm. to that, I think most of my exams, I studied the last month and didn't really watch my lectures or anything, like except the compulsory stuff. I definitely, definitely did that. Um, you know. So, you, <laughs> so you're paying fees to Bristol, but you decide you're not going to bother to go. Well, the way I see it is like <laughs> I'm paying my fees to be able to say that I'm a veterinary student but at the same mm -hmm. time, if I'm not satisfied with the education I'm receiving, then I'm going to go out of my way to provide it for myself. And that's what I'm doing. I know it might sound really cocky and stuff, but the, I'm out there is and a on contract. learning. Yeah, the, the, there's a contract, isn't there? You, you have paid uh, to, 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 to undertake to study. Yeah. And part of that is to be taught and to be taught adequately. And one would say, actually, to be taught exceptionally. Uh, and if you're not getting that, then they haven't fulfilled their side of the contract. If you're not studying, you haven't fulfilled the side. So there's there's a balance, isn't there? Mm. And I think you're what you're doing is pushing at the edges to find that that, that <laughs> medium. I'm trying to make the most of my time at university. Put it that way. I, I you could come to university, do your lectures, do your DSE group task things, and whatever, and you know, be happy, graduate as a vet, but that's like taking 
not much advantage of what's available to you, right? The university mm-hmm. is the only time that you're surrounded by a huge mix of world lead and experts, right? Once you go into practice, yeah, you're with experts, but you haven't got an academic backing behind you and people who are trying to develop new things every day. And, you know, I think Jamie, man, he's doing something on HIV, vaccines, there's respiratory immunologists, Tristan's developed various diagnostics. He's also potentially identified what causes Alabama rot. That will be coming out eventually. Ooh. I'm sure you guys will see Ooh. it when it does. Um, so a lot of stuff like that, right? And if you're at vet school, you're surrounded by these people. Why not take advantage and make the most of it? And, you know, apart from the lectures and stuff, you should also immerse yourself in that world because um, you learn how to write grants. You know how to get funding. Uh, I've learned how to set up projects like management skills that I'd never learn at vet school, right? We have something called professional studies, but they never teach you to the level where in Kenya at one point I was managing two teams simultaneously, one in the lab doing extractions. And then I was out in the field getting samples from the abattoir till 12 o'clock at night, dropping the samples back, extract, like managing, you know, up to six people in one go. You're never going to get taught that at vet school because it's not feasible to provide that for everyone. But if the opportunity presents right. itself, I'll, I'll definitely take it. Like, you'd be stupid not to. Um, and if you can make the opportunity really happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, is it? Opportunities don't just happen. You have to yeah. tweak them, make them happen, and yeah. take them. And, and, and all these. You, you, you really are a, a kitty cat cat living life to the full there, I'd say. To, to, to well, quote the I old really feel like I'm you, getting old. Your, your mum so would remember you. I need to make the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know, do you know we, 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 we've got a new section on uh, on veterinary ramblings we started it tonight um where people start getting ageist yeah. three strikes and they're out i'm not being ageist <laughs> you on two <laughs> one was one was, one was for one was for what did they actually used to be able to sequence back in those days julian when you were doing it yeah okay yeah Yes, I can, I can hear I can hear the ice cracking, and that's not because I'm up near the North Pole. That's next week. <laughs> oh, were you guys still around when the North Pole reached the UK? <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were, yeah. yeah. I tell you, it was pretty cold yeah. then. Pretty yeah. cold. Um, yeah. It wasn't, if it wasn't for my yak wall jumper, I'd have been pretty cold. I tell you that. Yeah. Um, Tell us about your climbing, Jamil, because that's something you and I have in common, other than the fact we're obviously uh, both very young still. Um, um, <laughs> tell me about the climbing. So, always did climbing as a kid and stuff, and kind of climbing trees, whatever, kind of vertical, sort of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, this is fun. Oh, well, fun only to get the anacondas off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah to get away from them they're down in the bloody boggy of course they're in the water aren't they they're water snakes yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's not like the movie where they're fucking flying about the trees um <laughs> horrendous um but yeah so i guess climbing i'd always wanted to get into it and stuff but as you know the equipment's bloody expensive and stuff mm. so um i guess the way i started is i got to bristol found a job got a part-time job at Cotswold. And then you get staff discount, right? Tactical. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> equipment. Um, so I started getting my kit that way. And then I think it was either first or second year, did my lamb in placement. Um, and I, I've managed to get a black diamond deal where we got 75% off anything we wanted. Um, unlimited, mm. kind of, I think the cap was 2000. So 
for 2000 with discount, right? Um, so I even got a portal edge and stuff, which is a kind of a tent that hangs off the side of a cliff, like completely vertical, and you can just sleep there. So I went in well, my land. You, you say you can just sleep there. You can. I mean, I've slept there, or rather, I've tried to sleep on those things, <laughs> and they're they're uncomfortable, and you spend the whole night thinking, hmm, that, that noise was that was that the uh, pegs pulling out? Uh, I was. Was that rocks falling now? I went off for a week or two in Clamberis <laughs> in the mines, hung it off the oh, side, yeah. and was living up there for a couple of weeks. Uh, coming down to the cafe, I can't remember what it's called now, and just buying a coffee, which is the minimum, and then you wait for people to get up, and then you go eat the leftover food because easy save money, right? And then you get to do these adventures. Um, so living that absolute bag life, and I was studying for my exams, which was straight after Easter, so I had all my flashcards yeah. up on the portal ledge, um, and then ended up taking photos of Franco Coxon, who's a trad climber. He was trying to climb meltdown. I think yeah. it's a 9A yeah. slab. So I ended up taking some really cool shots of him. He was sponsored by Montaigne. Uh, they reached out to me, a guy called Wim Stevenson. Probably shouldn't say it now. I'm probably going to message him. Um, uh, but yeah, they offered to start supporting me and giving me kit. And they mm. currently still are. And it's gone from there, really. Um, and then the climbing, you know, we did other trips. We went off to Mont Blanc. We were off in Austria. Uh, I was going to go um, climbing in the Himalayas, but you know, vet school kind of got in the way. Um, oh, that, so, so we plenty of time it, for that. The thing is, you, if you really want to get into climbing, it would have cost you a fortune, right, for all the instructors yeah. and stuff. And I probably did some more than sketchy things like going ice climbing in trainers and putting um, B3 cramp, uh, C3 crampons on trainers and one ice axe. And I went up a waterfall with no ice screws. Um, just to, you know, I was like, well, about second year, I was out in Morocco and I was like, yeah, I'll give this a go. I've always wanted to do ice climb and it wasn't even a technical one. It was a walking ice axe. Um, and there was a few moments like I tried going and doing these traverses in the mountains, didn't know if it was possible, no map, whatever. And I think at one point I filmed like a little video like, uh, mom, you know, if you find this, I'm probably dead sort of thing. Just when you think you're going to die and then it's like, then you're fine. It's like, oh, a bloody rush um and then you're back to the tent studying um but yeah so a lot of it was solar adventures and it's been great to have montaigne support that and they've you know, montaigne is an now. amazing kid Mon Mon I, i've got a, a lot of montaigne tens actually a couple of montaigne tens um and uh, black diamond uh, i think both my ice axes are black diamond uh dmm Good stuff as well, and all of them available at Cotswolds. So, if Cotswolds want to uh, <laughs> want to use us for advertising, I'm more than happy to endorse them because they're they're fantastic. Other climbing shots aren't as good. I've got a question for you. Go. Yeah, you're you're going to sit your finals <laughs> in a year or less yeah. than a year, and you're going to qualify as a veterinary surgeon, among so, other things. So, what are you going to do? Um, so probably I'm going straight into PhD with Tristan. Uh, we're going to expand the TB testing, hopefully global. So that's why I'm setting up Arminia. We're also looking into setting up a second, no, third base in Laos with a project running with Oxford. I think I might expand into Nepal as well and then have multiple sites around the world. And ideally, I'd like to characterize TB to the species level in wildlife, livestock and humans. So I might have to recruit 
um, Dr. Zen as well, and at the same time develop novel diagnostic tests capable of being used in the field that would cost hopefully less than $5 per test, which means we could, you know, affordably use them in countries that don't have PCRs available everywhere and stuff. What, you mean like, you mean like Wales? Yeah. <laughs> or England? <laughs> well, England by then, yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's all right, <laughs> Jerome. Right we're going. Well, you, both Julian and I are, um, are sort of, we're, we're quite keen on TB in some ways because um, we, we find the, uh, the, let's say, we find the badger culling uh, questionable. And yes. The, the well, go on, go on. I, I, I know there's a hand up there at the back. You have a yeah. comment? Oh, no, I, I agree with it because that wildlife always get the blame for it, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, just wait. Do the badgers have M. bovis or, or M. tuberculosis? What do they have? Because if we spoligotype that, we know that those and they're naturally host adapted to cattle or to humans. So one could argue that they're not the true reservoir. They're a wildlife reservoir by virtue of existing. Mm. But, you know, TB can be carried in an infinite number of different hosts. Uh, I know there's a researcher at Bristol who's looking into the if a cow comes down and eats on the grass, if worm, earthworms come up and pick mm. up the saliva, if they can carry TB in their digestive tract as they go across to another field. Um, so think about the implications of that. Uh, well, what for there's this been quite a, mm. Yeah, there's, there's been quite a Sorry. lively discussion in the veterinary journals recently about uh, badger culling and whether it's useful. And I have to say, the British government hasn't been particularly good about responding to them. Uh, as with many things, it's dug its head in the sand and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say lied. Um, oh, no, 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 I do. That's right. That's right. Practically lied. avoid. Oh, no, lie. Yeah, that just, sums it up. Just, just lie. Just lie. They're, they're all good at it. Um, no, our friend I, Boris, I'm, the biggest one of the I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. And I think it's because then also, why aren't we slaughtering all the road deer? I know they are culling them but not to the degree you should be. And I am sure they must be riddled with TB. Again, why aren't they testing the deer? But mm, here's when we start treading on... Um, well, in uh, theory, yeah. in theory, because that mm. came up in uh, in my exams, because I've got a wild capture license. Um, and one of the things that we learned on our course was how to grolic a deer, because yeah. the deers mm -hmm. are grolicked on the estates. And we were expected to look out for signs of TB as we were grolicking. For, for those people that aren't familiar, it's a lovely word, grolicking. Basically, it means it, uh, cleaning the carcass or butchering the carcass. Um, yep. But uh, we were expected to uh, do the tests live there in the field. Um, and they're expecting lay people to identify scenes of, uh, signs of tuberculosis. This is where it gets more interesting, right? That's expecting that you can identify granuloma. How long does it take for a granuloma to form? Because they could be latently infected and not have any symptomatic signs because they're not immunocompromised and still Absolutely. be passing it on, right? So this is yes. why we need something that picks up the pathogen directly. Yep. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. this is why me and Tristan are so interested in it. Because there's so many things that are wrong with it, right? Um, yeah, just because you, there's no granuloma doesn't mean it doesn't have TB. Mm -hmm. 
And if it has a granuloma, it could be um, like cremibacterium pseudotuberculosis. Doesn't have to be TB. There's a lot of things that cause granulomas. Um, we, so, we've seen we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of government shortcuts looking at um, an incidence of uh, of disease and trying to nudge the figures down by not testing. Uh, I'm going to mention COVID as an example here. Uh, COVID numbers are dramatically lower, aren't they? Absolutely dramatically lower. And funny enough, it coincides with the fact that now you can't get COVID tests. So you that, isn't it? I bet there's so much there's so much to COVID. Again, going out on the limb here and probably gonna get crucified for this. Um we like we like a heated we like a heated debate. So if if um, what Jamil is about to say now triggers you, get in contact with us. Let's have a discussion. <laughs> Go on, He's in Armenia, you can't find him. There's no address pin for where I am. Uh, <laughs> we know how to hit you. Yeah, we, why, why do we care so much about COVID? Yes, it's put a huge burden on the healthcare systems and stuff, but we didn't give as much of a fuck about Ebola, and that wiped out one third of the wild gorilla population and a lot of humans. Maybe it's because it's not affecting rich white due to a fat, obese, and alcoholic, which are probably the higher comorbidities of COVID. Hang on, why, 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 I'm, I'm why? I'm not Three fat. Strikes. Three strikes. I'm not fat. I'm not uh, white. The other, the other, I'm not, no, I'm not saying you fair, guys, fair you guys dues, are alive. Fair dues. The other are correct. So that's okay. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll give, you're okay with that one. But, but like, to me, just looking, at, just looking at it, like, right, what countries are really, really hit? The UK. We've got increasing obesity levels. And this is not like a hate talk against obesity. It's just what the numbers are showing, right? The US. Again, I think 70% are overweight of their population or something ridiculous like that. Brazil got hit really badly. They've got increasing obesity. India got hit really badly. They've got increasing obesity, among other factors like, you know, secondary health problems. And it's like, it, to me, it only seems like we cared about a global response when it potentially had effects on western countries which is really sad because tb has been an ongoing problem for africa and southeast asian countries and you know causing problems in kids and chronic wasting disease and a lot of people who can't afford antibiotics or have to dilute the antibiotic because they can't afford it where's the response to that uh we don't like to get too political on this program because uh, because the politicians just aren't worth it but i, I do agree completely with you jamil that uh we look after ourselves first seems to be the uh the, the role of the governments of of all of the the, the white old obese nations um of, of which uh, i'm proud to be a member uh, <laughs> and it's, it's appalling it's absolutely appalling yeah. uh, so if any but listeners I mean, can think what to do to change it please this argument me stems to even to the vet school because i've always been advocating that we should be sending students abroad if we have the capacity and the resources to do these things we should be doing it it's an ethical moral duty mm. as vets yep. it should be as well right that animals need more help in those countries than animals that have been bred in our country to have disorders so it's like you want to spend five years of your life studying to become a vet to trim nails give vaccines which i think are the main reasons animals are brought in and then also uh do brachycephalic surgery because the breed is fucked or mitral valve disease in king cavalier spaniels which we shouldn't yeah. even be researching because it's futile treatment like 
like the universe, well, but then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, they don't have third party insurance, so we can't do that as an EMS placement. And it's like, why the fuck not, mate? Then you should make your insurance more comprehensive to enable mm-hmm. us to do this as students. Actually, you should be paying students to go try and do these things, not have to fight. Like, oh. I had to fight to do these projects, yep. and luckily, I found support. Sorry, this is where I get a bit more yeah. riled up. Well, that's right. Do you know, when, when, my, when my father was growing up, he had to do a year's national service. Now, I, I don't agree with that. I don't want to join the army or anything like that. But maybe we should do a year's international service. Maybe we should all just spend a while helping the countries that haven't got the infrastructure or the money to... I was going to say catch up with us. That's that's it's a very boring. It's a tricky term, one to it? it's a tricky yeah. one to name. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's but like we, if we British vets won't won't be able to spot FMD, will they? And no. there's plenty of it in Kenya. I can mm-hmm. tell it's all over yeah. the fucking place. That's, to our listeners, that's foot and mouth disease virus. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Or, <laughs> or anthrax. Like I, yeah, they'll probably go yeah. from the carcass. Not the UK. What's that there? Yeah. Um, Jamil, I wonder, have you have you seen any of our uh, programs before, or listened to any of them? Do, do you do you know about this this thing we have called sixty seconds CBD? Have you have you come across that? I I did see it briefly. I was a bit. Oh. I'll try and think of something, and then like loads of shit happened today. Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you spend sixty seconds telling us about Trails of the World? Uh, yeah, but that's not professional development for anyone. Oh, it is. That's a good point. Be, good point. I, I, how about something about just following your gut, trusting your instinct? Okay, yeah, let's have a yep, okay. That's so, right, that Jamil, Jamil, six, 60 yep. seconds. On trusting your gut and following your instincts. There's an, improv- an improvisational 60 second CPD starting now. So I just wanted to start by saying that you should always trust your gut and instinct whenever you, you come across a dilemma. Um, if any of my peers or other veterinarians are listening to this, I found it incredibly useful to kind of take a step back and really just think about what your gut's telling you. And it doesn't matter if it's about conflict with people, management, some kind of problem, something that doesn't make sense. End of the day, if your gut's telling you something, there's a reason. The trick is figuring out why it's telling you that. It might not inherently be nefarious, it might not be a bad thing, but if you're feeling like something's not making sense or it's not completely right, then it just means you need to take a step back and have a think about why you're feeling that way. And it might be yourself that's feeling that way or it might be the situation that's causing it or there might be actually something really shit going on but always listen to your gut instinct and that is three two one <laughs> well that's i think technically you cheated by saying that was three two one um, no i could have kept going i just want but, I, I, but that, that was great and, and you are you are the first person to have done 60 second cpd not only blagging it but also putting shit happens in it um and I think well, I think you get an extra round of applause for that, which is which is which is brilliant. Absolutely. Actually, I think anyone listening to this would would know that that that, that you clearly have been in certain certain circumstances throughout your life where you've had to trust your gut. So yeah. you're the ideal person to tell us uh, about I mean, that. 
a lot of the times I tell people that my story in a way is a story of stubbornness. Um, <laughs> because like it, it end of the day, you know, if you know what you really want and you'll find a way, right? Like mm-hmm. it might fail like a hundred times it might fail, but then you only need it to work one time. Um, most of the times you'd be surprised that it doesn't fail. Like you might feel like things are really against you and it's not possible or you don't have the grades and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, six months before getting into the gateway, I had no academic record somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like at yeah. the time I, I pissed off South Korea. So I was like, oh, it's never going to happen. I can't. I actually got on the phone with the university until I could speak with someone at admissions to confirm that it wasn't an error on UCAS. I didn't believe it, right? <laughs> that's what I meant by trusting your gut you've just got to go with it and you know if you know it's the right thing it will work out it might not work out as what you planned but it will work out it's more about I think it, in a way it's like as it as cliche as it is it's more about following a journey and along the mm-hmm. journey you'll discover what what's meaningful to you and it's fine to change your mind I mean that's something I realized over the last two years that I kept seeing this quote everywhere, which is something like, um, like you don't owe it to anyone to be the same person you were five minutes ago. And it's really, really like liberating when you think about that, right? Because it enables for rapid growth. Because a lot of the times, at least for myself, I found that I'd be held back by things I had thought or said previously. Because it's like, no, I said that I have to stand by this because it's principled. Like, you know, if I said it, I mean it. And it's like, there is a component of that. But then, on the flip side, if you take that to the extreme, it hinders growth in any mm-hmm. aspect, really. And once you realize that people's perspectives, your perspectives are, can change and can be updated, it's quite um, freeing. That probably so, would have been a better CPD. <laughs> so really, the only person you have to um, justify it to is, is yourself. Yeah. And if that justification is correct, then sort of a real, basically. Yeah. yeah. My, my great grandmother used to say uh, something along those lines, although she was batty as a fruitcake. Um, and she used to say, love many, trust few, always paddle your own canoe. She was actually um, uh, committed. Drowned, didn't she? Mm. Yeah. 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 She drowned in that canoe yeah. accident off the North Sea. Didn't she? She, she did. She did. Yeah. <laughs> she was paddling her own canoe. Okay, so you talk about trusting you got there, Jamil, and that was great. Sixty-six yeah. CPD, loved that. So oh, I'm, I did completely bad that guy. No really problem. Bad, I did remember Brilliant. reading it. Brilliant. No problem. All good. So what I want to know is what your gut was saying. Now you you were late this evening, which is absolutely fine, and we didn't mind because we were late too. Yeah. But that's because you were in a taxi, trying to avoid protests in. Well. I had a drink or two with someone I had a meeting before yeah. and protests were happening. And then it was just like, it took a bit longer than predicted. I was cutting the line really close, to be honest. I'm, I'm just intrigued as to what Honestly. your gut was saying whilst you were in the taxi. My gut was saying was like, uh, these guys are probably having technical difficulties and this is normal, so I'll get away with it. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, right. That's because we're old, is it? Right. Okay, fine. No, because that's how podcasts always go. Like, yeah. we, we, we did up a podcast no, we are professionals. Uh, a couple of years ago. We, we are professionals. We know what we're doing. Hello? We, we Hello? Do. Okay. Point taken. Hello? Hello? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
excellent stuff. Hey, Julian, have you got um you got a CPD certificate? I have. I have. Oh, can you hear us? Yeah, he can really. He's just he's yeah. just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Fools every time. Jamil, I have a CPD certificate for you and for anyone else who's who's watching this. And here we go. Okay. So we do certificate of adventure and really wild things. This certifies that we've learned stuff we didn't know before. I put in brackets, which is basically learning. Um because that's what it is, isn't it? You learn stuff you didn't know before. It's yeah. learning, yeah. yeah. So what have we got? We've got a we've got a, a bear there nice. because you, you work with bears. We've got uh, me sitting on the uh, the cannon stone overlooking Idwell uh, Lake in um, in Wales. So mm -hmm. not a million miles from Clemberis Pass. Uh, that's that's me just standing uh, a couple of couple of yomps in Mont Blanc, and actually that's my tent. Uh, below the summit of Mont Blanc. Which and, route did you take? Uh, Les Mons or? Yeah, it was the it was the south face. Nice. South face. Uh, it's, it's 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 a long, hard walk, um, and and really hard. My my climbing buddy got um, got altitude sickness. It's yeah. You know, so you I decided to go back for a second dose of it. Well, no, I got altitude sickness the first <laughs> time, um, and then he got altitude, but we made it. We made yeah. it, and um, uh, he just incredible. on the way down. And this is a little slow worm, so I don't know. Maybe anaconda. anaconda. And that's anaconda, anaconda pictures and bear pictures of you on. There, there, there we go. A little slow worm. Oh, it's a slow that. worm. It's not a baby there anaconda. You go. No, but it looks like gold, doesn't it? Beautiful. There we yeah, go. lovely. Yeah. I don't. I don't wrestle anacondas because they're much bigger than me. And um, at my age, you know, being. A, yeah. Being, a, being a a bald old fat uh, white person, I can't wrestle anacondas now. Well, I, I used to have long hair like you. a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to have long hair like you, mate. Oh, don't worry, it's coming. I could go on and on and on just listening to, to your amazing stories, your outlook, your, your energy is just absolutely amazing. And I've no doubt whatsoever, it really is. I've no doubt whatsoever that you're going to be a hugely important mover and shaker in the veterinary field and in One Health. And gosh, you know, let, let, let's let's pick some oh, other clubs out. You talk about International that, relations, bear castration. I didn't mention that. I'm in the process of setting up. So I'm also one of the, I guess, student board members or something, something called the Inspire Committee at Bristol. Uh, only the other day I pitched to them that we actually start acting out the One Health thing because they talk mm -hmm. about it a lot in medical school and vet school. And I was like, yeah. yeah, you talk about it, but I've never actually seen you pick it up and do something about it. So I said to them, if there's projects like mine with Tristan's where we're developing diagnostic tests capable of working across species, humans included, then what we can start doing is developing projects where what we do with Inspire funding is we pair a medical student and a veterinary student up together, send them somewhere like the stuff I'm doing, and the medical student goes and deploys the test and validates it in human populations and mm -hmm. deals with all the human paperwork that vets hate because, you know, it's a lot more than what we have to deal with. Um, and the vet goes and deploys it in animals and the wildlife, right? And then you're truly integrating One Health at an educational level, which I, I still haven't seen them do it at all. Like they'll do their talks and stuff, but I've never seen them actually act it. 
Wow. That, that's and then the, the, more, the more important one to me, I think I feel like with One Health, um, you know, environmentalists always get left out. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, doctors and vets. And it's like, well, they're arguably, they're the guys who see the big picture out of all of it. And it's like the other field I'm getting really interested in now is um, disease ecology. So, okay, so we eradicate the disease. What's the ecological effect of that, right? It definitely has a role in an ecosystem. Shouldn't mm-hmm. we eradicate a disease? Because we do have this question with parasite burden in Absolutely. horses and stuff like that in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, so I'm sure that diseases are behind many mechanisms of, you know, especially chronic waste in ones like TB. Maybe it weakens a deer and now, or an antelope, and now a lion's capable of catching it as an easy meal. It, and if we start eradicating these things, is there going to be an overall detrimental effect? Because humans seem to be very, very prompt at taking actions without stepping back and thinking about the bigger consequences, right? And well, we do, and, and actually, a lot of lessons as, in history on that. Yeah, as a yeah. as a virologist, <laughs> no, as a as a as a, as a previous uh, as a virologist in a previous life, it may interest you to know that that our genomes, and I believe most mammalian genomes, are a about eight percent viruses. Virus. Yeah, and so what would happen if we got rid of all the viruses? Well, okay, we know we know that some viruses are absolutely crucial for life, but we don't know which ones. <laughs> and we know that some of the viruses that are hidden in our bodies can cause cancer. We also know that some of us offer protection against other viral infections, against other cancers. So. It makes sense if they're in us, and we don't know whether we can do it without them or not, that, that we wouldn't really know what happens if we got rid of the tsetse fly completely or, or uh, the, the tapeworm completely. Don't get we, me started just, on gene drives. I think have we need to have you another time stuff? and get you started on gene drives. I, I, I think have, we need to get you have, in that's, another time, Jamil, and yeah. we'll talk about gene and drives. Your and your mother, we had Charlotte and in my, as well. Well, mum would join in as well. She, I'm sure it'd be interesting to get her. I'd love to have mum on the show. Pain in the ass. Love to have <laughs> mum on the show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, no, no, she'd yeah. be up for it. Yeah. I mean, Good. it makes me let's do that. And I hope she's not going to share the pictures <laughs> of my head. She'd say, mind your language, young man. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Where do you think I learned it from? No, no. Ah, well, good oh, point. here we go. Let's Jamil, Jamil, that. Jamil we, we're going to have to. We're going to have to wrap up. Yeah. We're going to have to finish. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no. We're listen, sorry. We're sorry. Listen, let's let's, let's fix a let's fix a date sometime for the future to talk about gene drives and all other sorts of things. We'll get your mum on the show. And in the meantime, if any of our listeners are listening and they've got any questions we want to ask this inimitable pair or this indomitable pair, an inspirational pair and numerous other I pairs, um, then let us drop us a line and let us know. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed it, click subscribe. It really does help us. So with no further ado, Jamil, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you this evening. Lovely to meet you. Great mixed show from chasing past protests in taxis to uh, calmly sitting there as the moon, the, the, the May moon rises above you in the background. So, Jamil, thank you very much indeed from Hitler Ramblings. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Guys. May your dog go Bye. with you.